Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Uh, just wanted to thank you for flying with the Thorid Air. Uh, we're approaching our cruising altitude of 30,000 feet on our journey to sunny Oceania. Our in-flight entertainment is a propaganda reel showing our glorious nation, and your in-flight meal will be a choice of two delicious pieces of bread divided up amongst yourselves. Uh, in this time of death and disease, uh, we're keeping you as safe as our shareholders will legally let us, so just sit back, relax, and enjoy your flight. You know what the hardest part about being a dictator is? You can crush terrorist organizations, give people the most security they could dream of. You can keep citizens safe with roofs over their heads and police on the corners, but they keep wanting to leave. Somehow they get it in their heads that they can just hop on a plane and be someone else's problem. I mean, faithful citizen. Oftentimes, after they've reaped the benefits of your security state and praised your name eternally, they'll leave your borders and think they can just trash your name in government. I mean, real low blow. These human rights activists, I mean, you crush rising terrorist groups, you build up your name of your glorious nation once again, you influence each and every aspect of society so you all live in harmony with one another. But you kill a couple of journalists and gas a few ratty protesters, and suddenly you're the bad guy? Hate us, cause they ain't us. But Nick Hill, they escaped, they abandoned our proud authoritania, and yeah, that sucks, but there's nothing we can do about it now. We just have to lie back and take the heat. We'll just say fake news and draw the curtains on the regime. I mean, like it or not, these journalists, activists, and whatever they're calling themselves are outside of our jurisdiction. <laughs> Ye of little faith, my friend. We're dictators. We're the top dogs. No one escapes our reach. No one trashes our nation and gets away with it. I think it's time to branch out of our borders and take our autocracy into the 21st century. It's time that we showed these guys that no one messes with our autocracy, no matter what rights they may enjoy outside of our borders. Ladies, gentlemen, autocrats of all backgrounds, it's time to go global. Let's talk about transnational totalitarianism. Welcome to the new age of government. Welcome to Authoritania. Early in February 2021, a little organization called Freedom House published a report that transnational repression by autocracies was on the rise globally. 31 countries, such as China, Saudi Arabia, and Russia, carried out attacks against victims in 79 host countries. There have been more than two dozen assassinations or assassination attempts since 2016. In all, about 3.5 million people globally have been affected by these acts of coercion and intimidation. The newly released report that says Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman approved the assassination of the Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Political activism has been on the rise as well. With access to smartphones, social media networks, and an increasingly online populace, citizens are more connected than ever, tuned in to struggles around the world. As an autocrat, it's become more difficult than ever to prevent the spread of enemy ideologies and silence the voices of those who seek to destroy everything we've worked so hard to achieve. But it's not impossible to silence them. The most logical option is to prevent anyone from leaving your state, or at least make it as hard as humanly possible. Many of the world's most oppressive autocracies have extremely strict visa regimes, only letting a handful of people with justifiable cause to visit or leave its borders. The most notable example is North Korea. The Hermit Kingdom doesn't let anyone out of their borders unless they're well-connected to the upper ranks of government and the ruling party. One of the few North Koreans known to travel abroad consistently was Kim Jong-nam, half-brother of current Supreme Leader Kim Jong-un. He was most famously caught trying to visit Tokyo Disneyland with a forged Dominican passport and a fake Chinese name. But being the son of Kim Jong-il has its perks. 
as he only lost his place as heir apparent, rather than a lengthy or deadly sentence. Another famous example of locking down your borders comes from one of my favorite autocracies, Turkmenistan. We've talked about the nation before, and we're gonna keep talking about it, since it is the second most oppressive country on the planet. As a citizen, getting to travel outside of Turkmenistan isn't completely impossible. Many travel or immigrate for work in Russia, Turkey, or Eastern Europe. However, a large number of citizens get the chance to travel outside of the country through student programs, studying abroad in countries around the world. According to a Turkmen Education Ministry official in 2012, the number of Turkmen students abroad may have been around 40,000 at the time. This can act as kind of a rumspringa for young Turkmens who get to shed the bounds of a nation that has no outward internet access, no free press, and limited access to world culture. I'll be honest, I'd be pretty happy to get a chance to experience Kanye West in my headphones rather than the dictator's son's attempted rap career. Fun fact, the nation's dictator, Gurbin Guli Birdie Mohamedov, say that five times fast, is also featured on that song. Anyways, this ability to travel abroad isn't just an opportunity to broaden one's minds. It can also be an opportunity to escape a nation for good. In the past few years, Turkmen students are choosing to remain in nations like Turkey and Russia illegally. Some fear that the comments that they've made online or the action of them traveling abroad itself is enough to put them on a government blacklist, preventing their exit from the nation forever. Some stay because they want to have access to internet and world culture. Some others despise the corruption and controlled nature of their nation. Some are working against the true mission of their nation. As budding autocrats, we know that this is clearly grounds for a bar on travel or a lovely trip to a farm upstate, quote-unquote. Since it's clear that even the world's most oppressive regimes can't prevent travel abroad, we'll have to get creative in how we control our citizens and silence dissenters outside of our country. To do this, American sociologist Dana M. Moss has argued that five types of transnational authoritarianism and repression of a populace abroad exist. Number one, surveillance. You ever walk around and feel like someone is watching you? If you're a citizen of an authoritarian state abroad, chances are it's probably happening. Governments will usually use their network of intelligence agencies and affiliated security forces to keep tabs on what you're doing, who you're meeting with, and especially what you're saying. Turkmenistan employed hundreds of students to serve as snitches and report on their fellow classmates to the state security service. You could also just question each person when they return, as the Turkmen government did with its students. Questions they were asked included, who do you know among Turkmen students abroad, and can you provide information about them? Do you know any sponsors or organizations who provide financial aid to students? Do Turkmen students abroad have any ties with foreign political groups? Are the students interested in social media, and do they actively use it? Do you know students who provide foreign media with information about the situation in Turkmenistan, or write about it on social media? Informants can be anyone, really. Friends, family, staff. The closer you can get an asset to someone, the easier it will be to collect information. You don't have to rely on physical surveillance, either. Freedom House found that 17 countries who conduct physical surveillance campaigns on their citizens abroad also use spyware, including the countries you would come to expect, but also more interesting ones like Cambodia, Ethiopia, and Egypt. If you can't turn a dissident's kin against them, you can always just tap their phones, bug their homes, or just try out some good old-fashioned stalking. I'm watching you, Wazowski. The problem? This doesn't silence the dissent. We just get to hear more of it, which is infuriating, to say the least. Enter method number two, threatening. 
This is as simple as it gets when it comes to transnational authoritarianism. You send a couple of warning letters to a journalist writing some nasty things about your government, and you call them to an embassy and yell at them for a while. Or you could harass them in person or online to quit what they're doing. It's easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Like a progressive parent, you can also take this opportunity to remind them of the privilege they've been granted in traveling abroad, and how quickly that privilege can be taken away if they don't stop being a naughty little child. You could revoke a scholarship to a student traveling abroad. If they're in a government-sponsored job, you could threaten them with termination. You could outright sanction a person, freeze their assets, and contact their host government to get them arrested or deported, if you can drum up charges against them. Take Russian bodybuilder-turned-businessman Gregory Durilev. He wrote a master's thesis about corruption in the Russian economy, and like the bright young man that he was, he decided it would be a great idea to send this publication directly to the office of Russian President Vladimir Putin. What are you? An idiot sandwich. Charges of fraud were almost immediately drawn up against him, and Durilev fled to the United States. The Russians then sent a notice to the U.S. government in form of an Interpol Red Notice, requesting them to detain Durilev due to his fraud charges. He was arrested by Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or ICE, and as of the end of 2020, he is still in maximum security prison, awaiting trial and deportation for overstaying his visa. As you can see, you can always intimidate someone. You don't even have to be in the same room. Method number three, exile. You don't like your secure, stable, and sovereign nation? You're just going to keep trashing our glorious state? Fine, leave. Don't come back. This banishment can come in a few forms. You can do it directly, meaning you could literally forbid them from returning, or outright revoking their citizenship. That is difficult to do, and it usually only occurs when a citizen defects to another nation they're at odds with. It's kind of a big no-no in international law to render a person stateless, and that is, without citizenship to any nation. Thus, this can prove to be a complicated method. The easier option is to indirectly banish them by using those threats we mentioned earlier to impose a jail or death sentence if they ever return to the nation. Fethullah Gülen, an uh, Islamic cleric and prominent critic of the Turkish Erdogan government, would face imprisonment, violence, and possibly even death if he ever left his home in Pennsylvania and returned to Turkey. Another example of indirect exile comes from the case of Russian politician Alexei Navalny who, after seeking medical treatment in Germany for an assassination attempt, knew that he'd be promptly arrested upon his return to Russia. Despite the threat, he returned anyway. You balls like Kremlin Clearly, this method doesn't always work to end to send. So let's try method number four, proxy punishment. Now, this is more like it. Among the most effective ways to silence a critic outright, imprison, torturing, or murdering their friends and family. Usually, if you're a citizen of an autocratic state traveling abroad, you're leaving behind all of your close relations. With no ability to be there to prevent their arrest or persecution, it's up to you to behave yourself, lest you bring the wrath of your government on those you love. They could claim that your affiliates aided and abetted your dissent or treasonous behavior, more than enough grounds to detain them. This can also be used to turn a person into an asset for a state security service and compel them to inform on their compatriots. This method is most notably used in North Korea, where defectors risk the execution or imprisonment of their family members in labor camps. Utilizing a method of punishment known as the three generations rule, one's parents, children, and their children could be imprisoned for life, sometimes with their descendants being born into imprisonment. It's the most effective way to prevent citizens from leaving the country let alone preventing them from publishing dissent against the nation. Yet some people are still willing to risk it all just for a chance to own the state. 
For the chance to expose quote-unquote horrible human rights practices and bring justice to their people. So, for those individuals... Well, then I guess there's only one thing left to do. Method number five. Lethal retribution. Of course, when in doubt, assassination is always the way to go. People around the world love a good assassination, and there have been many in the past few years connected directly to authoritarian regimes. As we said before, Alexei Novani was poisoned with the same Novichok nerve agent that was used on ex-Russian spy and British double agent Sergei Skripal and his daughter Yulia in 2018. Saudi Arabian dissident and journalist Jamal Khashoggi was brutally hacked to pieces in the Saudi consulate in Istanbul after being summoned there that same year. Clearly, international assassination attempts are not the most difficult things in the world to pull off, especially if you can utilize that secret police force or intelligence agency we talked about in our last episode. Sometimes, you don't even have to put one of your own agents directly on the case. Long gone are the days when you had to stash a sniper on a roof for hours and hope they didn't take a drink that morning. Remember our friend Kim Jong-nam, the illustrious playboy of Pyongyang, brother of Supreme Leader Kim Jong-un, and self-proclaimed Disney nut? He too was assassinated, this time in Malaysia, by two women who thought they were on a prank TV game show after being stealthily recruited by a North Korean agent. What kind of horrible game show is this? They, maybe they didn't know they were on a prank TV game show, but that's at least what they told the courts. These aren't new methods or solely a recent phenomenon either. Leon Trotsky was stabbed and killed with an ice pick by a Soviet agent in Mexico in 1940. Muammar Gaddafi pursued the death of Libyan exiles who he called quote-unquote stray dogs throughout the 70s and 80s. But Nick Hill, I hear you asking, surely transnational authoritarianism is only effective in a select few countries. I mean, come on, if I'm a dissident, I write some stuff against the government and move to a different nation, surely I'll be safe if I become a citizen of, like, Switzerland, Iceland, uh, the United States, Australia, some country that's good and safe and white. Oops, I said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. <laughs> well, in all honesty, becoming a dissenter against an autocratic regime is one of the most dangerous things you can do. I mean, I've probably made myself a target for surveillance just by releasing this very podcast praising autocracies around the world. Nowhere is safe. In September of 2020, Paul Rusesa Bagina, the inspiration for the movie Hotel Rwanda, and a prominent critic of Rwanda dictator Paul Kagame, was kidnapped on a Greek airline in Dubai and flown back to Rwanda to stand trial. He may be a Belgian citizen and a U.S. green card holder, but there's nothing to prevent him from imprisonment in Rwanda. The EU may have issued a formal condemnation of this action, but that doesn't change the fact that his trial is ongoing as of recording this episode. So why isn't Rusesa Bagina protected from being wham-bam-thank-you-mammed in the political sense? One reason, and one word. Terrorism. The U.S. conducted a massive campaign of kidnappings and targeted assassinations in the aftermath of the 9-11 terrorist attacks. The United Kingdom, France, Israel, and others have conducted similar missions after their own brushes with terrorism. Many countries, when attacked by groups without a continuous or easily identifiable national identity, have to target key individuals directly. Other nations, alongside these Western powers, saw this as an open invitation to label any of their exiles, diaspora members, and international distance, causing them trouble as terrorists, in order to get an easy excuse to take them out. In 58 of the transnational repression and targeted assassination incidences Freedom House cataloged, a pursuing state officially labeled their target as terrorists or terror affiliates. The systems to take out your dissidents are already in place, my fellow autocrats, regardless of the democracy or dictatorship in which you currently reside. The only thing keeping them from cementing your total power is who they're currently targeting. 
Only time and those in power can tell if that person will be an actual terrorist or a person seeking to end a brutal, autocratic regime. But are they really so different? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We've had a slight change in our flight pattern today. Uh, seems that due to an order by these lovely gentlemen in the cockpit with a gun to my head, uh, we're going to be rerouting to uh, Ashgabat, Turkmenistan. Uh, if you've said anything to anger their government, uh, now would be a great time to close and stow those electronic devices safely in your neighbor's bag and hope they drag him away and not you. Once again, thank you for flying Authority Airways. Uh, we may not be the best flight around, but hey, at least you're not in a Boeing. I guess that's my cue. I've got nothing to worry about. I'm sure this is a routine fuel stop. Right? In any case, uh, I'm Nick Jane, and I've been your autocrat for today. I'll see you in the revolution. Authoritania is written and hosted by Nick Jane, produced and edited by Kennedy Mangus. Original music by Sloan Welsh. Sloany underscore baloney with two Ys on Instagram. You can find us at Authoritania on Twitter, Facebook, and Patreon.